Good morning, Rose Bowers. Good to see everybody this morning. Um, real quick reminder, we will not have children's church today. It is the fifth uh, family Sunday, so the kids are going to stay with us, worship with us uh, through the worship service and as well as the, the sermon. So kiddos, Leah has went around and passed out activity sheets, the clipboards and crayons to everybody, but if, if any of you kiddos, if you've not gotten a clipboard and activity sheet and crayon, they're right up here at this front pew. Oh, oh she's taking them somewhere else, but just come see Leah. Everybody, kids got them? Everybody good? think so. All right. Well, let's begin worship this morning by standing singing to God be the glory.
Good morning. Praise the Lord this morning. Welcome you all to uh, Rosebar this morning. I hope that all of you are uh, excited to be here this morning. I hope and pray that you are here for Sunday school. Um, if you're not here, you don't know the blessing that you're missing. Um, it's good to be able to get together with small groups and get to grow closer to each other as we're together. Uh, this morning I'm going to be sharing a little scripture in John. In John 15, in verse 8, Jesus said, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And in verse 16, Jesus said, you, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. You know, God uses everything in our lives for a purpose. Everything. All of our lives matter. Everything about our lives. And He wants you to grow in Him. He wants you to bear fruit for Him. And we do this by giving ourselves fully to Him, by trusting our lives to Him and in Him. He's the master gardener of this world, and that's how we bear our fruit. You know, every small and large seed that He plants into our life is intended to grow into fruit. And even the painful things that we go through, the trials and the tribulations, the troubles, the hurtful things that are planted in our lives can become fruit for His greater purpose. He will use it for His glory, just as He promises in Romans 8, 28. It says, He works all things for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You know, we were chosen to bear fruit. So every seed that is planted, we surrender it to the Lord. It all matters. Um, allow Him to water it. Allow Him to let it grow. For those that love Him, we can bear fruit by giving it all to Him, our Maker. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your love, Your grace, and Your mercy. I thank You for forming us uniquely, for making us one of a kind, choosing us for a purpose, for Your purpose. I thank You that You appointed us to bear fruit for Your kingdom. Sometimes we wish away seasons of pain, but Lord, we pray that you, we would learn to embrace everything that you plan in our lives. For we know that the trials can still produce fruit. May your word today water our souls so that the seeds that are planted can grow into who you have designed and called us to be. Father, we have brothers and sisters right now that are suffering around the world. We lift those brothers and sisters up to you, Father have families in America here that are that are hurting because of loss today. We, we lift up our, our soldiers to you. We lift up their families, the ones that are suffering. We thank you for them and what they've done for us. We ask, Father, that you be with Justin this morning as he brings about the message that you have for us, Father, that you'll just take all the distractions of this world away from him that he'll be able to focus truly on the word that you've given him this morning, Father. May we, Father, also have all the distractions and things of this world cleared from our hearts and minds 
we can focus on you. And as we continue in worship, Father, may we truly worship you because you are worthy, Father, of our worship. Forgive us again, Father, for where we fail you. We lift up the ones on our list here, Father, that don't know you as a personal Savior, maybe away from you, Father. Again, Father, we, we lift those to you that they'll either be drawn back to you or come to know you today, Father, for it's everlasting too late. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and let's sing. You are my King, amazing love. all 
much for this day. God, we thank you that we can sing those words, Lord, and know that all of heaven and all of earth and all of creation sings that out with us, God. Praise to you forever and ever, Lord. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. God, you are a wonderful Savior, a merciful Savior. Lord, we praise you for all that you have done for us, God, um, and for all that you will continue to do. Lord, we pray your blessing on Justin as he comes here today, that you would speak through him to us. Your word would take root in our hearts, Lord, and that it would grow and that it would flourish. In our name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse 1 in just a moment. John chapter 5, in verse 1. We do want to thank you so much for being here this morning in God's house. What a joy it is and a privilege it is to be here with you uh, to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you for being here and making it a priority to be here this morning. I pray that you've had a wonderful week. I know this world is absolutely crazy right now. Your, your, your life may be crazy right now, but we, we thank you for taking the time to um, be in God's house this morning. Uh, we do thank the people that are watching on Facebook and are online to take time in order to dive into God's Word. And so this morning we're going to continue in our study of the Gospel of John. We are entering into John chapter 5, and we're going to see a shift now in John chapter 5. Uh, up until this point, Jesus has come, and ultimately John the Baptist is the forerunner, teaching about Jesus, the, the Messiah, the Christ, has come and is here. And then Jesus comes, and he begins, he's, he begins his public ministry here on this earth, and up until this point, the Pharisees, the Jews, the religious have been curious of this Jesus. All right? They have been interested in what he has had to say and things of that nature. They hadn't so much believed in this Jesus, they hadn't so much agreed with this Jesus, but up until this time they have been curious. Interest. They haven't liked his teachings, they haven't liked his actions and his methods, but up until this time they haven't opposed him. They've been curious about him. They've been interested in the things that he's saying and the things that he's doing. But John chapter 5 is going to mark a shift from that of the religious and the Pharisees and the Jews of being interested and curious to they go to absolute opposition of Jesus Christ. And the reason why is because he claims to be the Messiah. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he claims to be equal with God. And that is what causes the Pharisees and the Jews and the religious people of this day to be in complete and total opposition of Jesus. So much so that they began to plot ways to have him killed. This is the time and this is the place and this is what we see of why the Pharisees and the Jews and religious are so angry with Jesus because he's claiming to be God. Now many people you will hear today Say that the Bible, it never says Jesus claims to be God. That could not further be from the truth. Jesus clearly in our text today is going to ultimately claim to be the Messiah. As we're going to see in John chapter 5. And we're not going to get real deep into this. But we'll see over the next two weeks that he claims to be the Messiah. He claims to be equal with God. And that is the only way he has the power and the authority that he is in his miracles and things of that nature. So this is the turning point for the Pharisees. I guess in my life, you know, I think back. Someone, something that I hate very deeply is Duke basketball, right? 
Praise God, Coach K is retiring. Uh, the wicked witch is dead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but I can remember the time that I started hating Duke basketball, and it was in 1992 when Christian Leitner hit the shot. And I'm still mad at Patino the way he played that defense because that was horrible. Why did you not guard the inbounder? Are you kidding me? Let him throw a 72-foot pass to the free throw line and then he shoot. But that was the moment I began hating Duke basketball. For the Pharisees, this is the moment when they begin to hate Jesus Christ. So if you will, will you stand to your feet as we honor the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read, beginning in verse 1, John chapter 5, it says this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Beth Bethesda, having five porches, and these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped up in the water... Oh, whoever, whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease that he had. Now a certain man was, was there who had had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, He who, who made you well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is it, the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a, multi a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Then the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Let us pray and we'll dive in. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for this time together in your house with your people. Lord, I know there is many things going on in this world around us that we want to lift up in prayer. And we pray for the situation in Afghanistan and all of the harm that is going there, Lord Jesus. I just pray for your grace and your mercy upon those in Afghanistan and the military and those uh, innocent bystanders and for those who are believers that are there that are losing their life. God, we lift them up before you. God, we pray for this storm that's in New Orleans and the hurricane and all of the natural disasters that have been taking place. But Lord, we come to you that we know that you have all power and all authority over heaven and earth. And Lord, we pray by the power of your spirit that you will speak to our hearts through this passage and this text. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Thank you so very much. This morning... There's a lot that we want to get into, but I want us to just focus on one thing, if that's okay. Just for one moment, focus on one thing in this passage, and then next week we'll dive in further. But the one thing that I want you to see this morning is that Jesus is Lord over sickness. Jesus is Lord over sickness. And that means Jesus has authority over all sickness. 
That's what we're going to notice in our text this morning. As we begin in our passage, there's a, we learn of a man who is paralyzed, and he's sitting by this pool of Bethesda. Okay, and uh, this pool of Bethesda is not, it is a popular place to hang out for those who are sick. It's not a popular place to hang out if you're not sick, right? Because it's made up of all those who are sick, have physical elements, issues in their life, and they're all hanging around this pool that is called Bethesda. And because what they said would happen about once a year, an angel would come and would stir up the water. And then while the water is being stirred up, the first person that would get into the water while the water was being stirred would be healed. It was like a one-shot deal. The first person in would be totally healed. And, and so all of these sick people knew this, and so they didn't want to be far away from this pool so, so that when the waters began to stir, they wanted to be the first one in. So what would happen is they would begin to camp out around this pool. that They didn't want to be far away. And so up to 300 people would, would, tent, would basically plant their stake here, and they would live by this pool waiting for it to be stirred. Now, if you notice in, in verse 1, it says there was a feast. And so when their feast would come, up to 3,000 people would come and be around this particular pool because they wanted their shot, their shot to be healed. And so that is what this text is telling us. And then many ask the question today is, did that really happen? <laughs> was, and not only did it really happen, but was God the one that was in charge of that, that he would bring an angel and stir the waters and then they'd be healed and it would be God? that would. So there's many questions of, was, was that true? Did that really happen? Because so much so, because in some translations, most of verse 3 in all of verse 4 is left out. Because what some, what they say is in the original manuscript, it wasn't there. Okay, so some of your translations don't even have verse 3 and verse 4. And so the question is, is this true? Like, were they, were they healed when they got in this water? Was it an angel? Was it God? We've got a lot of questions about this particular portion of Scripture, and there's a lot we truly don't know. Because the Bible doesn't really tell us a lot about this. It just tells us this is what they thought happened, and that's why they were camping out. So here's what we do know about this passage. Whether it happened or it didn't, the people around this pool fully believed that it was real. Like they were camping around this pool, not because they thought it might happen, but because they believed it would happen. All right. And so they were hanging out. And not only that, and if they're going to, you know, live there, then most likely something had to happen at some point in time. Someone had to be healed, some kind of change in their life in order for, a, for it to take place and for, and for them to actually live their life by this pool thing to happen. So whether it happened or not, whether it was God or not, what we do know this, the people that are around this pool, the people in this day fully believed it was real and fully believed they would be healed if they got into this pool when it was stirred. All right. It's not a bunch of people who are faking their illnesses and then laying by the water and then jumping in and saying, I'm healed. No, it was people who are really sick. It's people who are really sick. And that's where we learn about this man who's absolutely miserable. What the Bible says is that he laid by this pool for 38 years. I'm 37 years old, so he was one year older than me. 38 years laying by this pool of being paralyzed, sick, and needing to be made well. And Jesus, so, so what we know is, like I said, he's not faking this. When I was growing up, there was a man by the name Benny Hinn. 
he was what people would call a healer, right? He would call somebody up front, bring them up on stage, and hit them in the head, and they'd fall out, and they would say, I'm healed. Um, there were some other healers that would kind of do that, and like many of those cases, they found out basically, they found out some people in the crowd, and it was somewhat fake. Understand, this could not have been fake. Jesus at this time was probably 30, 32 years old. What did it say? That man had been there for 38 years. So for this to be fake, he would have started faking it six years before Jesus was born. And they, some people say he was colluding with Jesus because he heals him in this thing. There's no way this could be fake. He's not fake sick, all right? He's absolutely paralyzed, what we see. And Jesus comes to him and he asks him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be better? Which at first glance seems to us a stupid question, right? Somewhat of a, I mean, if I were to go into a COVID unit, who has someone who has a, is, has got a ventilator, and they're sick, and they're fighting for their life, and I go in and say, do you want to be made well? Well, yes. <laughs> yes, I want to be made well. Yes, I want to be better. Yes, I want things to change. So at first it sounds like, but I want us to look deeper into the question because it's an interesting question in and of itself. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be better? Do you, ultimately, do you want to change? Now, some people in the day and time that we live in, and even in this day, they may want to be better, but they don't want to change. Maybe even they don't fully want to get better because sometimes in their situation, they would rather have charity, sympathy, or attention for the bad things in their life than they would to change. That is, if you don't want to get better... You're not going to get better, are you? It doesn't matter what the how-to is if you don't have the want-to in certain situations. And that's somewhat of what Jesus is. Do you want to get better? Do you want to be made well? Because if you don't want to, then you're not going to change. And what we mean by that is until a person is truly sick of their sins truly sick of the things that they're doing in their life that is disobedient to God, and desire something better, then they will continue in their sin and they will continue in their brokenness. It doesn't matter how bad you want them to change. It doesn't matter how bad I want them to change. If they do not want to change, they're going to continue in their sin no matter how much their sin negatively impacts them and those that they love the most. And it breaks our heart. We see this all the time with addictions and beyond. They will never change until they're sick of their sin and they desire to obey Christ. So Jesus asked this man, do you want to be healed? And the man kind of thinks of it somewhat as a stupid question like we were saying a moment ago. And he responds by saying this, how can I be healed? And then notice next, he begins to blame other people. His problem, he begins to blame other people. He said, how can I be healed? No one will put me in the pool. By the time I try to get myself in the pool, then someone else has already beat me to the punch, and they've already gotten in the pool, and they get healed, and I can't ever get there because no one will help me. <laughs> That's his answer. 
And that's how he responds to Jesus. And it's somewhat of a smart aleck response. It's somewhat of a blaming response that it's other people's fault that he can't get better. It's not his fault. And what we learn later on in, in, in this scripture is that ultimately it was his sins that had caused him to be where he is. Now, what we learn in Scripture is that when we are sick, when we have hard and bad things happen to us, it don't always mean it is our sin that has led us to that problem. That's what we know to be true about Scripture. Just because we have sickness, just because we have ailments, just because we have problems, it doesn't mean God is mad at you and God is angry at you and you've done something wrong to get where you are. That does not mean that. But what we also learn in Scripture, as we see in this passage... Sometimes that is the case. Sometimes that is the case. And that's what he comes to him. Jesus comes after he heals him. He comes back to him and says, go and sin no more. Or it will be much worse. What is much worse? Think about it just for a moment. What is much worse than being paralyzed, laying by this sin, that by this sick people pull for 38 years? With no help. He says, go and sin no more or it will be worse than that. What is worse than that? The judgment of God for all of eternity. That is worse than that. And that's what he's speaking to. Ultimately, his sin has led him there. And Jesus is going to see how did Jesus respond. So he responds somewhat of a smart aleck response. Somewhat of this is other people's fault. No one's helping me. And Jesus, what does he say? Get up. Take your mat and walk. Get up, take your mat, and walk. Now understand for a moment, if this is not Jesus making this command, this is a cruel joke. I mean, for Jesus, he has to have power. He has to have authority. He has to have the ability to make this happen. I mean, for me, if I were to go to someone who is paralyzed and me say, hey, get up and walk, like, that's cruel. Like, they would love to get up and walk. They want to get, there's nothing more they want to do. And for me to tell them that would be absolutely cruel. But for Jesus to say this, for Jesus to command this, he has all power and all authority over heaven and over earth. And what we're going to learn today and what we're going to focus on today is Jesus has power and authority over all sickness. And so Jesus says, pick up your bed and walk. And the Bible says he was instantly made well. That he was totally, fully, wholly made well. And he got up, he picked up his mat, and he begins to walk. In a moment, he is made fully well. We're not talking about he was kind of sick. We're not talking about he was kind of paralyzed. We're not saying this man needed physical therapy. This man was completely and totally paralyzed. And Jesus commands him and calls him to get up and walk. And he instantly is made well and he's able to get up and walk. We're not talking about, I don't know... If you're anything like me, but when I'm sick, I'm a big baby, all right? Like, it feels like I'm going to die. I've got a sinus infection. I feel like I'm going to die. And, and I'm telling Kendra that, oh, I'm about to go see Jesus. All they're going to say, no, this man was fully, we're not talking about a man cold for this man. He was paralyzed. And Jesus tells him to get up and walk, and he is made instantly well. But here's the next thing what we're going to see is this is the first miracle Jesus performs in the Gospel of John in public. So far we saw the, the miracle at the wedding of turning the water into wine. Who was that done before? 
The servants, right? The servants were the only one that knew that. And then we saw last week Jesus healing the boy from a distance, but who's the one that knew that? It was only the boy's father. So, so far, his miracles have been in small crowds, and then now, this is the first one in public. And then, like I said, normally around this pool, there would be at least 300 people, but being there was a feast in town this week, that there would have been at least 3,000 people around, and it's the public healing of this man who was paralyzed. And the guy, in front of all these people, gets up, and he walks off. <laughs> He doesn't say, thank you, Jesus. He doesn't even get Jesus' name because later the Pharisees are going to ask him, who is it who has healed you, who's done this thing to you? And he can't even tell them, I don't know. That guy came to me and told me to get him walk, and I just got him walked. And then he was so excited, though, that he was healed that he could actually get up and walk and he could actually move, that he runs off. He doesn't get Jesus' name. He doesn't thank Jesus. He doesn't even know who he is. He walks off. But what I want you to see, this passage is not so teaching us about the man. He's teaching us more about Jesus. He's teaching us more about Jesus. I mean, last week, the father was seeking after Jesus to ask Jesus to heal him, son. But this passage, notice this. The man here is absolutely miserable, paralyzed for 38 years. He is hopeless. He is helpless. His sin has caused him to have this sickness. He's absolutely no way to help himself. He's not looking for Jesus. He's not loving Jesus. He's not obeying Jesus. He's not following Jesus. He's not looking for him. Actually, he just got done being a smart aleck with Jesus in his response to his question. But Jesus went to him anyway. Jesus went to him anyway when this man wasn't looking for him, when this man wasn't being obedient to him, when this man wasn't loving him or loving others, when this man didn't deserve it, Jesus goes to him and he shows him grace. And what we learn is what is true of this man is true of you and it is true of me. When we are born into this world, we are not born loving Jesus. I know many of us who are in this room this morning, when we were born, that we were born almost into the church. We felt like we were born in a church for you, right? I mean, we was at church every time the doors opened when we were a small child, but nine months before we were born, we were in church, right? But when we were born, even though we were born going to church, we were not born loving Jesus. What the Bible says is we were born sinful. And when we're born sinful, that means we love ourselves and we love our sin. That we are hopeless and helpless in our sin. Just as this man was physically hopeless and helpless, there's nothing he could do to help himself or move himself. When we are born in this world, we are born spiritually hopeless and helpless. And there's nothing we can do to help ourselves. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves better. We are born hopeless and helpless, but Jesus offers grace. And the same grace He offers us is the same grace we should offer others. <laughs> not, just, not to the ones who deserve it, because what we learn in Scripture, there's no one who deserves God's grace. Not you, not me, not anyone. We don't deserve God's grace because we're born sinners. But we're to share it with those who don't 
deserve his love, those who don't deserve his grace, those who don't deserve his mercy. This man was totally made well, not based upon the things that he had done, his ability or his eye-opening experience. He was made well solely based upon the power and the authority and the the grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord over all sickness. And I want you to hear this this morning because I hope this impacts you in a powerful way that if you are a child of God, you will be healed of all sickness. If you are a child of God, you will be healed of all sickness. The matter, the question is not if, but when. Whether it be here in this walk of life or when you are standing before Jesus, you will be healed of all sickness. And when we know that and when we believe that, it makes us look at sickness a little bit different, doesn't it? It makes us as believers not panic, not fear, not run, scared. But instead, when we know as a child of God that the Lord is, has authority and power over all sickness, there is not one sickness that can enter your body that can harm you or hurt you, uh, ultimately for eternity, because you are in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be made well, whether now on this walk of life or when we meet Jesus, you will be made well. It changes the way we look at sickness. You know what that means? Miss Patsy, you're not going to have cancer forever. You're not going to have to have chemo forever. Chris Gates, I know leukemia is somewhat in the past, but you're going to be made totally, wholly, fully well. Barry Rhodes, you're not going to have pancreatic cancer forever. You're going to be healed. You're going to be made well. This is a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to have MS forever. My son's not going to have celiac disease forever. We're not going to have to worry about COVID forever. Because Jesus Christ has authority over all sickness. And as a believer, it changes our perspective. It changes our perspective on sickness, difficulties, and problems in this world. Because through Jesus, you will be healed. And that is that gives us hope in a hopeless world. We don't fear sickness. We don't fear death like lost people do. And now I want to be careful. I mean, by no means do we want to be sick. Do we look to be sick? You know, you're not going to see me in Walmart licking the buggies, the handles, trying to get sick and trying to get COVID because Jesus is over COVID. All right? No. I'm going to be careful. I'm going to be cautious. But I'm going to have hope in a hopeless world because Jesus is over all sickness and my trust is not in the government. My trust is not in the health officials. My trust is in Christ alone who has all authority over heaven and over earth and over all sickness from the smallest sickness to the greatest sickness from the sinus infection to COVID itself and to any other kind of cancer that is. Jesus gives hope to a hopeless world. No matter what the diagnosis is, it's a momentary light affliction compared to the eternal glory 
we're going to witness in the presence of King Jesus. Please know Jesus is Lord over sickness. And there is no sickness that can harm us or hurt us as a believer. For if you are in Christ, there is coming a day when you will be glorified. You will no longer be sick. You will no longer hurt. You will no longer be weary. You will no longer be tired. You will no longer be worn out. But instead, you will be made fully well and you will experience the full glory of God for all of eternity in the kingdom of heaven in the presence of Jesus Christ. For Jesus has authority over sickness. What we're going to learn next week is that that's just one small thing that Jesus has authority over. What we're going to learn next week is Jesus has authority over all things, not just sickness, all things, life, death, and all in between. Jesus has all authority. We don't have to shudder. We don't have to worry about the events that are transpiring in our world today and be fearful because why? We know the one who holds tomorrow. And the one who holds tomorrow is the one that we can trust, is the one that we can believe in. We can trust Him with our sickness. We can trust Him with our worries. We can trust Him with our fears. We can trust Him with our uncertainties because Jesus is our Lord and all authority belongs to Him over heaven and earth. And and those who are weary, those who are broken, those who are heavy laden, Jesus says, come. Come, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I know sickness, pain, and despair brings a huge and heavy load on our life. And what Jesus says is come and give it to Him. And allow Him to carry you when you cannot walk. Let us pray. Lord, we love You, and we praise You, and we thank You for the opportunity to be in your house this morning with your people. And God, to be able to look at this text and Lord, notice the power that you have, the authority that you have. And Lord Jesus, it's so easy for us as humanity, even as believers, God, when we experience sickness, difficulty, when we see the things that are transpiring in this world, it's so easy, God, to be fearful and to worry. It's so easy to wonder what's going on. It's so easy to be fearful. But Lord Jesus, I pray this morning, God, that you would give us a holy reminder that you are an authority of all things. There is not one thing that will transpire, one jot or tittle that will happen or take place outside of your authority and your divine and holy will. For you have a perfect plan for us, God, and help us to trust you. We struggle with it. Lord, I know I struggle with trusting you. But God, I pray that you remind us, even in this moment, that we can trust you, for you are a good father. You are faithful. You will never leave us. You will never abandon us. You will never forsake us. For you are always with us. And Lord, we can trust you. God, I pray for the hearts in this room this morning. You know each and every need, each and every problem, and each and every circumstance. We lift it up to you, God. I pray for the sickness. I pray for those who are experiencing and walking through this cancer, this chemo, this radiation, the difficulties that that brings, Lord Jesus. That is so hard. And we are so weak. And we just lay it at your feet and ask you to have your will in your way. 
For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you're willing, will you come? Will you stand to your feet? Will you come? Respond in a way that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come now. do thank you so very much for being in God's house this morning God bless you got a few announcements for you and then we'll be dismissed I want to remind you of a few things that Awana begins this Wednesday September 1st at 6 30 here in the sanctuary uh, for our Awana at 6 30 our youth in the youth room and then our adult Bible study is going to meet in the fellowship hall all at 6 30 as when that begins uh, there will not be a meal all right so just make sure you're aware of that uh, but 6 30 um, and is when the WANA kicks off this Wednesday night. If you have any questions, please see Michael Woolley, uh, and he'll help you out with that. And then also, there is a baby shower September 12th from 2 to 4 in the Fellowship Hall for Amanda and Elijah Otterburn, and they are registered at Baby List and Walmart. Uh, so we're excited about all the babies coming this direction, uh, so be in prayer for them. Also, also, the Paxton Challenge for Sunrise Children Home. The last day is August 31st, okay? If you're wanting to give to Sunrise Children's Home and have that money doubled, there's a brochure on the welcome table. You need to grab that. You're going to mail a check to the West Kentucky Community Foundation. They're going to double it, and then they're going to send it to Sunrise. So the last, it has to be in by August the 31st. Any questions about that, uh, please let me know. And then the Hometown Heroes Charity Softball Game, that's September the 19th at the Reedland Farley Softball Park. That's 5.30. It's going to be a great night. Uh, what this is going to be is normally what we do is every September we give a harvest offering. This harvest offering goes to pay off our building, right? Last September we took our last harvest offering. 
uh, for our building because we paid it off in December 31st, 2020. Praise God for that. Well, this September, instead of taking in money for ourselves and for our building, we want to take that money and give it to a good and worthy cause. And we are partnering with Starfish Orphan Ministry to purchase beds for kids that don't have beds in our community, and we're going to have those delivered to them. And so what we're going to do, we're just having a little fun doing that. We're going to have police officers, firefighters, uh, school personnel, medical professionals all come together, and they're going to be our players and then we're going to have some games for the kids in between the innings. We're going to have some cheeseburgers and drinks. Everything's going to be free that night, but about in the middle of the game, we're just going to take up basically a love offering. And everything that is given, all the donations that are taken, we're going to give to purchase these beds for those kids that are in need. So that's September 19th um, at 530. If you know anybody who would like to participate in that, firefighters, police officers, school personnel, teachers, um, as well as medical professionals, Please invite them and tell them to see me so I can get them on a list. We've got, uh, we've got about one team together now and working on this second team. And then the Bible study for uh, fathers. Neil Ward is beginning a Bible study for dads on Wednesday at 6.30. Um, they are going to be meeting, I believe, um, it's going to be in room 110. But please see me or see Neil for that. That begins, it's about a four or five week study. Um, that begins this Wednesday night, 6.30 in room 106. I'm sorry, that's the number. 106, and we'll have that going. Um, also, if you're here and you're, you're wanting to give an offering, many people ask, we've got baskets in the back. If you would be willing to give to that, we've got a basket. Just drop that in as you leave. And if you need to offer an envelope, some of those are located on the welcome table. And then also, if you notice, we've got a few things going on with our nursery. Um, we uh, Some... A little bit, so we're going to have our nursery registration, and Ashton is in charge of that. And so we're going to ask Ashton to tell you what to expect. And so I'm going to use this green mic, if that's okay. Justin mentioned the all the babies we've got coming. So in anticipation of that, we're making some changes to the nursery, some updates, just to make sure that we can accommodate all those babies. Um, so we are going to be updating our nursery registration information. Many of you have done this in the past. This is just an update and then also to make sure we've got info on all of our new members um, and that we'll have something going forward for the babies as they arrive. So I'll be set up somewhere in this hallway next week, wherever I can be the least in the way. <laughs> and parents, if you'll just come see me after you drop your kids off, it's just a quick form. And this is nothing formal. We'll still take your kid in the nursery, even if you don't have this filled out. Um, but I'll just kind of walk you through that form and make sure we've got everybody up to date. All right. Thank you, Ashton. And thank you, nursery team, for working on all the ways uh, to prepare for these babies, the baby boom, 2021. <laughs> but if you'll stand to your feet. Um, this is the last week of and so we do a memory verse or meditation verse each month uh, a couple verses maybe i invite you and encourage you to take that i've got a little card on the back uh, take that and read over that throughout the week with your family learn it together as a family or with your kids um, or talk about it discuss it meditate it think about it and i, I it's going to be awesome how god uses that in your life and your family i promise uh, but this, this month is John 3.16, which we're very familiar with, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever uh, b- b- believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But then verse 17, it says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That was Jesus' purpose here on this earth. But the second time when he's coming, he's coming to bring judgment. And so we invite any and all to come to know this Jesus before it's everlasting too late. The month of September is John 8, 31 through 32. It is available in the green card by the Germex as you're out if you would want to grab one of those. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. I pray God's blessing upon you. Have a wonderful week. Uh, Brian's dad's funeral is today at 3 for anybody at Hughes Funeral Home. So be in prayer for his family this morning. Kelly Seeley went to the hospital in Germany uh, having some gallbladder problems, so remember him. Uh, Amos seems to be doing pretty well uh, from the, the hospital. Continue to be in prayer for Miss Jane. A lot of sickness and ailments. So good to see Barry Rhodes here. God bless you, brother. Uh, and and Miss Patsy, all of you, thank you for being here, but God bless you. Jim Holloway, would you mind leading us in our closing prayer?